0: Founders, welcome back to the Zero to 5,000 podcast, where we obsess over the convergence of human potential and business results. Today, our hosts Drew McClure and Jordan Mitchell have another insightful conversation for you. So let's jump right in.
1: All right, founders, welcome back to the podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Krish Ramanini, the CEO and co-founder of Fireflies.ai. Fireflies is an AI voice assistant that helps transcribe, take notes, and complete actions during meetings. Our AI assistant, Fred, integrates with all the leading web conferencing platforms, including MSFT Teams, Zoom, Google Meet, Skype, WebEx, along with business applications like Slack and Salesforce. Fireflies' mission to be the future of the workplace, built on top of voice and video collaboration. They types at 50 words per minute, but can also speak at 150 words per minute. Voice can allow the world to turn talk into actions instantly. Ultimately, Fireflies.ai is out there to empower teams. And here to share his stories and lessons learned is Krish. So Krish, thank you for being here, my man. Thanks, Drew, for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about how this whole thing got started.
0: Yeah, the original story for Fireflies was I was supposed to fly out for grad school, uh, I was previously working at Microsoft. I left, I was about to go to grad school at Cambridge. Uh, instead, I flew to Boston to spend some time with a friend, and we said, hey, let's work on you know starting a business. Really, that was the origin story. What are we most passionate about? We were passionate about machine learning and natural language processing, all the software stuff around understanding language. That was our most uh, exciting thing. There was also some stuff that I had worked on at Microsoft previously. Uh, not directly related to this, but like um, in that space that I was most fascinated about. And, you know, fast forward, I decided not to go to grad school. I We flew out to San Francisco, incorporated the company. And then we started working on the first version of Fireflies, which was actually analyzing emails. And then we were analyzing chat messages and trying to like... Mm. Um, help people understand what was going on in their like different support tickets. So we were doing a whole host of things, but then we realized voice is a huge opportunity. And if we can take advantage of uh, that and help people remember their conversations, right? I want to be able to go back seven months ago and remember the conversation we had about a particular topic and know exactly what I said. And that's really the vision. We said, let's build a tool that will capture all my conversations, transcribe all my conversations, make my conversations searchable, and also summarize my conversations so that I can go back, look back, and be on top of my things. So one, I don't wanna be taking notes on meetings. So we built an AI note taker that joins your meetings across Zoom, Webex, and other platforms, and on top of that, I wanted to have like perfect memory of all my conversations so that I stay on top in terms of managing my relationships uh, with coworkers, colleagues, uh, partners, vendors. And yeah, we started with that simple idea, but a lot more complicated to execute at scale. And uh, we launched in January 2020. And then two months later, you have the pandemic accelerate, and then everyone's going remote, everyone's using video conferencing platforms. And we kind of got swept up by that tidal wave and just rode that wave. Um, And here we are today where Fireflies is growing faster now than it did during the pandemic.
1: Wow. Man, when you initially create this product and release it out there, it makes sense that, you know, as Zoom and, and virtual meetings and stuff were taking off, but still people had to know you, know your brand exists, had to know what it did and adopt it. How did you all do that so fast?
0: We were lucky to have a few hundred initial users that came from our network, friends, peers, investors. And the nature of Fireflies is that it will go viral and we didn't anticipate to go viral the way it did. But every time the participant joins on a meeting, it will say Fireflies AI note taker. And the people will ask, what is that thing you're using? And they're like, oh, that's really cool. I wanna use it as well. And so customers were helping spread the word, uh, the word of mouth, seeing fireflies on a meeting, people being able to experience the fireflies summary and transcript Mm. before they even signed up. Uh, They would get a little recap email that they would forward to their colleagues. And through that, that's how we did it. We actually have not spent any money on paid marketing. We may may have experimented here and there with Facebook ads. But in the last two years, all of our growth has come from word of mouth, organic virality. And Fireflies is being used across tens of thousands of businesses. Uh, There's a stat that my teammate pulled up saying that Fireflies has been in meetings and taken notes for at least 70% of the Fortune 500. Someone has brought it into at least one meeting or more. Uh, Wow. And that was really incredible for me to find out. All of this started with those first couple hundred users.
1: How difficult was it to create the technology that could even execute on this idea? I mean, the idea is fantastic, but I just imagine it's very difficult to actually create the technology to be able to do all of this.
0: Sometimes the simplest ideas are usually the hardest to execute at scale. Even if you look at platforms like Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat. Snapchat is like, what, sending one photo. Like, yeah, for like 10 people, not a big deal. But now when you have, you know, 100 million users, you're like sending Trillions of photos, basically, right? You know, billions, trillions of photos, how you scale your systems and servers. In the same way for Fireflies, it was the same challenge. As you plan to scale, right, from 10 users to 100 users to 1,000 to, you know, uh, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of users, the volume of data that we're doing. I remember I was looking at the stats in January 2020, too. And I found out that Fireflies did a thousand years worth of meetings and processed that data, right? So for a human to do that many meetings, attend that many meetings, it would take a thousand years. It did it in a single year. I'm curious to see what data we'll look at when I review that in January, 2023, when I look back on all of 2022. But it is fascinating to know that like we had to start with incremental bits. Originally you start, you know, putting pieces together like Lego blocks and you duct taping it together to hold it. Uh, But eventually, you have to rebuild it, refactor it, and at every step function, um, you have to keep making your technology better. Otherwise, um, it will break down. We were fortunate to hire really good architects and infrastructure engineers um, and learn how to do this. One of the biggest challenges is um, my co-founder and CTO had not worked at a previously large company. I had some experience coming from Microsoft, but it's very different being a seasoned veteran, knowing how to build highly scalable systems. So we had to learn all that from scratch. Um, From building products that were probably used by 10, 20, 30 people, to now getting it used by this many people, scale was a constant battle. And we have a saying at Fireflies that I can be late to a meeting, but Fireflies, Fred, our note taker, has to always show up to meetings on time. Our AI assistant has to show up on time. And that is really, really, a high bar to set because people are having meetings around the world so by the yeah. time all the ust uh, the pst and est time zones meetings are done you're going to start having volume pickup in india and other countries in europe maybe so we fireflies has to work around the clock yeah
1: when fred is capturing all the the information that the user is able to access and go back and what did i say and summarize and all that stuff, where's that stored? Does that Do you have, do you store that on the user's cloud account or something, or is that stored with you all internally that they have access to, it? how does that work? So they have access to it. Uh, it's
0: stored in a uh, private cloud and we have, we use services like Google cloud and AWS for that. We also have for enterprises where they can deploy on their own systems if they would want, like if they have their own servers, uh, they can do that uh we have SOC to compliance like security is like a really big thing uh I'm at Firefly. and try to prioritize so like who has like you know and then we have access controls for admins and a lot of stuff that it started out as a simple platform that end users can use like you can just go and start using it inside of your organization and then quickly your entire department might be using it and then your manager wants to buy licenses for the entire company so if you have things like that um we have you know like enterprise-level features, admin controls. Um, but the platform's experience is super simple. Uh, you log in with your calendar, and then Fireflies will look at your calendar. Any meeting event that has like a video conferencing URL, it'll detect it, and it'll join. And then once it joins, it'll show up as a participant, transcribe it, analyze it, summarize it, all of that. And then post-meeting, five minutes after, you'll get a nice little summary and you can also review the video you can play back at 2x speed you can do all of that Um, and then all of that is saved to your workplace which we call a notebook and all your past meetings are there and you can organize them by folders and channels and uh, as as we like to say fireflies is great if you use it by yourself but it's even better if your entire team is using it because now you're consolidating all of your team's knowledge in one central place Uh, you can have documents wikis other stuff uh, but those can quickly get outdated. But what we're building is a living, self-updating, breathing
1: knowledge base based on your conversations. Man, I imagine, I imagine you'd have to build a, a quite a reputation of trustworthiness if there's literally something recording everyone's meetings, right? And they have proprietary business things that they've shared, or just sensitive stuff that is now being captured somewhere has that been an issue you've had to overcome with with consumers of hey you can trust us we have great security we won't use this data for anything like how does that work so one of the things we had to focus on was we're focusing on
0: helping businesses and the bar for businesses is even higher than like an everyday consumer right in terms of how is this data being used are you monetizing on this data the other thing is we charge for our subscription so we're not running ads or like selling personally identifiable data or any of that like a lot of social media companies uh if it's free you are the product right That mm. that is being monetized for us we charge for our service so we have no need or incentive to monetize based on what uh, users are saying in their meetings those meetings they own that data it's strictly theirs that's really important for us we also have several guardrails like for example we tr- we try to educate users and tell them look it's your responsibility right here to know when to use it, when not to use it. And here's how you can delete data. Here's how you can wipe data. Here's how you can control it. So that fireflies only join specific meetings and instead of all your meetings. So having controls cool. like that is super important and who it's shared with uh, just like how, if you share a Google docs and you want to change it and change the privacy, like all those things we had to build the, with privacy first um, and giving users the control over how they use that platform. Uh, it's usually that, right? Because if a user loves it, they'll share it within their organization and then their organization will want to use it. Um, their IT team might say, hey, here's a security review we'd like to do. Uh, we have to answer like a hundred question uh, <laughs> security questionnaire and then help them onboard. So it's all part of the process. But I am a big believer that like any technology uh, is not good or evil. Uh, on its own, it's how people choose to use it. People can Mm -hmm. choose to misuse the best of technology. Uh, so we want to put the onus on helping educate users, you know, make sure you are following your local call compliance and recording laws, um, whichever that is. And transparency is way better. So at least with the note taker, when it shows up, people know, and the participants can say, Hey, what is this? They can ask to remove it if they would like, um, but at least it starts a dialogue or a conversation versus there mm-hmm. are tools out there today that can potentially silently record, right. Uh, without you ever knowing. So these are the sort of things that we, we, we try to preach um, and
1: stand by. Well, that's why I wanted to ask. And and you, you gave a great answer because I find out crap all the time. I'm like, TikTok's recording. What from me, you know, like just randomly, you're like, hold on. I had no clue. And it makes so much sense. Now that you say it, and that's not the first time I've heard it, but it does make so much sense that if it's free, man, even if the best of intentions, like the the way money works in that system is going to really uh, encourage the use of your data, you know, versus if you just pay for the service, like that is the exchange of value right there. And you would be more encouraged to keep things private, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's a good way to think about it because the search for relevancy is what I look at. How do you get the most relevant ad to this person that they would be incentivized to click it? They need to know more about you. That's the only way. So, yeah. what your search yeah. history is like, what you like to view, what videos you like to view. Why is it that once you start viewing like videos of you know like little dogs on on uh, on you know your social media feed? that you're going to just start seeing more of those recommended to you. I remember I was looking for a meal prep service, right? Like where you can uh, get meals shipped to you, right? Like ready-made meals. And so I looked at one company, I went to their website, the cookies were probably tracking me. And then it's a very competitive space. I got targeted ads from almost 20 companies that do meal prep in the last week. (laughs) Uh, It was insane. Like it's easy, like it's helpful, it's relevant. And I'm able to explore all these options. But right. those companies want to target people that are have, have that intent or desire or search. So, um, yeah. yeah, these companies may, may not necessarily be trying to do something nefarious or bad. Uh, they want to just right. give you the most relevant stuff that you actually want to understand. Uh, but at some point in time, there's an exchange of data. There's an exchange of information. Like they know when your yeah. birthday is. They know what your eating habits are. Um, you know, one, one was interesting. I was in college. And we were doing a case study on a company, and it was an e-commerce company. Um, they had data scientists that were able to predict when a person was going to be pregnant based on their purchasing habits, uh, more accurately than they themselves knew, which was really interesting. Yeah. Wow, that is wild. That, 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 that's crazy, right? Like they have enough predict enough yeah. data uh, to, to be able to, to detect that with machine learning. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Again, it off the cuff like you know I do we're all, we're about to go down a rabbit trail that I don't think it makes is not going to be a good good conversation. So anyways, thank you for clearing that up. I think that makes a, to- a whole lot of sense. What I am curious about is, you know, at the time of this recording, we're coming in about a week before Christmas, we're coming into the new year, and it's an interesting time to be in tech. It's an interesting time to be in general in the market right now in any fashion, but especially in tech. Just how are you all thinking about going into next year with some of the uncertainties and interesting uh, kind of variables in the market right now? We just had our 2022
0: all hands uh, yesterday. And we were talking about what does the market hold for us in 2023? What did we accomplish in 2022? And where do we want to be? And how do we work? The reality is most companies aren't working in a vacuum. Like you are going to be impacted by what's going on out there. You see all these tech layoffs, Tens of thousands of people losing their jobs. Uh, It's a really difficult situation, and maybe the worst is yet to come. And the recession, you know, it's going to hit everything from real estate to salaries to, um, you know, the cars you purchase to luxury goods. Everything, it's going to hit everything. Even our food, right, with the rising costs. So this is a you know drastic change from what happened during the pandemic, um, where money was flowing in. Venture capital was investing crazy amounts of money at ridiculous valuations. So the party is gonna stop right now. And how do you prepare for that? I think the most important thing for companies was, how do we continue to stay lean? How do we continue to stay disciplined? And then how do we continue to add value to our customers, right? So a lot of times during recessions, companies look to get into survival mode and fail to innovate. So you need to be doing that. You need to keep the lights on, but you also need to innovate because those that can be more aggressive uh, but intentional about their time and how they're going to be able to do Mm. that, it's going to be a massive opportunity to take market share. So I think that while on one hand you have all of this stuff that's going on with the recession and the downturn, I see on the other hand crazy new exciting technological enhancements that have been coming out. One of which is GPT-3, generative AI. Um, you might have heard of ChatGPT, which got a million users in five days or less. Uh, wow. The technology is blowing people's minds. So I think that is really, really exciting.
1: Yeah. Well, I want to get into that, but I want to back up just from a company. Like if I have a other, you know, and we have other founders listening to this. What what I'm, what I'm hearing is it sounds like the strategy for you moving into 2023 is lean but aggressive. Is that fair? Is that a part of it? It's kind of like two opposing energies, but you want them to work together. Like, yeah, we want to be lean and disciplined and smart, yet we also still want to be offensive and aggressive. Is that is that right? We want to be focused
0: on the bets we take. And whichever bets we take, we go 120% on that bet. So instead of trying to throw our bets around 20 different things, which companies can do when they have a lot of money and resources, we have to be more decisive. And if there's something that we really believe is the direction that we want to take our company, um, it doesn't have to be a gamble, but it is something that you do as a process of elimination, you make decisions, you look at uh, trends, you look at the data. And so one of the bets we're making is that generative AI, as this stuff is called, uh, is here to stay. It is the new internet um, from how I look at it. It's as exciting a time right now to work on generative AI, text AI, all of this GPT-3 open AI sort of technology as when the internet first came out uh, or when the first iPhone came out, the smartphone came out. So I think people can ride the technology wave. This is exactly what Amazon did, right? Jeff Bezos felt that I just need to do something on the internet, it's just gonna grow so fast. Whatever I do, as long as I'm disciplined and consistent, it's going to take off and we're gonna be able to ride that uh, tailwinds. So in the same way, where it's very interesting for us that we work on text related stuff, voice, transcription, text, and we f- focus on natural language like language creation, all, all of these things right? Like how do you understand language? So for us, when we look at this, yes, the market is um, doing not so well, but there is this huge opportunity here where, we can build and differentiate and create a product experience that's that's going to blow people's minds. So we want to use 2023 as a way to expand beyond just an AI note taker and transcription. Um, you know, we, we did some of that in 2022, where we provided analytics and all of this amazing stuff on top of the core platform. Now, we can help people get work done uh, from just their conversations, just with the sound of their voice, can they get work done. So we actually have a sneak peek um, of the extensions that we've launched uh, and these new features, new products that we've launched. And some of the stuff is just mind-blowing. And things that I didn't even imagine five years ago, like today with this new technology with GPT-3, one of the things I can do is I can go ask Fred, my, the AI assistant after a meeting, hey, from this meeting, can you draft up a email that I can send to the participants based on the contents of the meeting? And it'll draft up the meeting uh, e- email for me
1: whoa Yeah, that's cool yeah so okay let's back up for a second because i have very limited but i have seen a lot of exposure to chat B- gpt3 from social media and that type of thing and it excites me yet i don't even know how i would use it right no. so are you all in your world using it as a almost an engineering asset like hey we could have this thing help us figure out how to code or do this thing and then we can then take what we've created and put it into Fred. Is that kind of what it is or or am I missing that? We're using ChadGBT3
0: in every parts of our business, both in our end product, because they have APIs that you can use uh, and you can engineer it into the end product or as well as into our own day-to-day operations. That's something we want to do. We want to eat, sleep, breathe this stuff, understand it. Uh, It's the same way as saying, like if we're building software for remote companies, if we ourselves are not a remote company, we're not going to be able to understand what it takes right to build remote software in the same way there's many aspects of gpd3 and this open ai technology for simplicity's sake, let me try to define this uh what gpd3 and all of these things are are based on these language learning models where you can talk to it like a human like this machine this model and it can come up with very believable answers not always right but very believable it can solve math problems it can reason to a certain extent Um, it can be creative. It can do all these things that we didn't think AI could do. So it's like taking Siri or Alexa to the next level times a hundred. Right. And the use cases are infinite. All you have to do is give it more data and some guidance, and it will generate things for you around that. It's trained on Hmm. the internet, right? Almost all of the internet. Imagine if someone like a super robot read all of the internet and it's like a walking encyclopedia, and you can have conversations with it, right? So yeah. that's what I think of GPT-3 as. And the way we're using it at Fireflies, and this is just one of many uh, potential applications. So I'm able to feed in the transcript from the meeting to uh, GPT-3, or we build some models around that. And then we can ask relevant questions to help people get work done from their meetings. So for example, for this podcast, usually what I would like to do is afterwards come up with some of the most memorable sound bites and then quotes and then post them on social media afterwards. Instead, yeah. if this sound uh, if this podcast was transcribed through Fireflies and saved in Fireflies, I can just upload the audio file, have it transcribed, and then I can go to the AI assistant and basically ask in the chat box, "Can you pull out all the most memorable quotes Krish said in this?" meeting or this podcast and then paraphrase them so that i can easily share them on social media and it will go through the entire transcript and generate those like you know five ten memorable quotes from the the (laughs) thing
1: yeah uh thank you for sharing that i'm going to actually do that. that that would save me so much time yeah so oh dang all right so it could do that even in a sense copywriting editing like it would know well enough to pull out relevant quotes from you and all of that stuff right that's currently available
0: yeah this this is yeah we actually have the beta this is like a new product on top of fireflies and would love to get you guys access and we have a wait list right now it's blowing up so we're trying to get as many people through the door Uh, And we're really excited about this for 2023. So I'm I'm glad I'm sharing this um, on here. We haven't publicly shared uh, much information around this to date. Uh, But what's what's fascinating is like it can be used in so many different contexts. Um, You know, that what I shared was just like, you know, scratching the surface, like write an email based on this meeting. Or one thing I tried earlier was we had a marketing meeting and we were talking about a bunch of really interesting things and topics and stuff. And then I just asked Fred, can you come up with five to 10 blog post ideas based on this meeting? And it came up with, hey, you can write about this. 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 So it's turning my thoughts and talking points into actions. That's really the vision of Fireflies five years ago when we started is like, how can I just have a meeting and then have work be done? Right. And so now it's possible.
1: Can it do video editing as well? Like if we gave it the, the video recording of this and say, cut up some clips, I think that would
0: be really cool to do. Like if from a video editing point of view, one of the features we're working on is we have this feature called sound bites. And so you can go to any part of a transcript, uh, in the dashboard, highlight that 30 second, uh, segment, and then turn it into a sound bite that you can share with your, uh, peers. Right. So if you said something really exciting, I can go highlight that 30 second clip, um, and then create a soundbite. One of the things we wanna work on with uh, Fireflies is instead of you having to go manually create those soundbites from the transcript, can I just have it go into like a sales call and say, hey, what are all the feature requests that the customer brought up? Can you create a highlight reel of all the feature requests the customer discussed on the call? So that's in progress right now, but if we're able to do that, Now you're going to have basically these sound bites or highlight reels based on the audio. And eventually we'll be able to do that for a video as well.
1: Uh, What I'm curious about is, you know, when I see the capabilities that seem to be emerging from open AI, from machine learning, not just from open AI as a company, but in general, I see a mixture of excitement and freaking out. I see half the posts are so excited about what can be created and what we can do with it. And the other half saying, there goes my job no longer going to have this need. How how do you think about that? I believe that every time technology comes
0: in and does things right that innovate, maybe make certain skill sets mundane, humans are very resilient at coming up with new valuable use cases and opportunities on top. So I believe that it's going to create a new set of jobs. It's going to make some of the more mundane stuff, um, you know, replaceable. So the most important thing we can do is constantly try to keep learning and keep staying ahead of the curve. And so that we are not replaceable. Like at the end of the day, the the way we are able to do that is this re-education, this uh, knowledge wave. Like as you keep updating yourself, there's going to be new opportunities that come on, right? The internet didn't replace a lot of People, in fact, it created a lot of jobs for people. Um, it's just a matter of people moving from other industries to this industry, right? So, I think it's going to create new industries. It's going to make certain industries um, less desirable to work in, potentially, right? Because maybe the pay goes down, or because you know technology starts automating these sort of things. But the reality is that you know technology tends to go through this twenty-five year adoption curve, so it's not going to be instant. With AI, I think there's an exception where things can happen super fast. But the most important thing people can do is be vigilant. Um, You know, it's hard to say that I want to cling to the past, like the olden days. Like That is not a recipe for success in the modern world. The world is moving so fast, and we have to keep adopting and evolving uh, towards that. So, you know, if we said, I don't want cars, I just want to keep riding, you know, the horse carriage. Yeah. um, you know, innovation doesn't stop for anyone, unfortunately. But it will make a lot of people's lives better. Uh, but it will also force us to learn new things, and that is the biggest risk: is the risk of not having the skill set or the ability to uh, get in and learn those things. And that is a valid concern, and I, I agree with mm-hmm. everyone that's concerned about uh, technology um, outpacing, you know, what they're doing. So uh, I think. There will be certain things that are going to be automated yeah yes i can use GPT 3 to help me draft up a blog article but it doesn't necessarily have the same voice as like when a human writes it or it might be repetitive so what i find GPT 3 is most valuable for is it's a brainstorming engine for me like give me ideas like help me think through my thoughts or you know spell check what i'm writing or rephrase something that i don't quite like so it's more of an addition uh, rather than a complete substitution. So that's how I look at it today. Um, mm. Maybe, who knows, 10, 20, 100 years from now, um, it's doing completely automatic, automated things. Uh, but I, I just definitely feel like right now, the way GP3 is built is to help assist rather than replace.
1: So the best thing we could do would be the opposite of resisting and running away from, but in fact, running towards and familiarizing yourself and in a sense, adopting it is that would be one of the safest things to do, right? If you're going
0: into battle, you want to know as much about your opponent as possible. The art of war is about learning about their strengths, their weaknesses, like well, what's the opportunities. And maybe you realize they're not even your enemy and they're someone you want to partner with, right? Mm. So in the same way, uh, instead of having the first gut reaction being, this stuff is horrible, it's going to steal jobs, it's going to ruin people's lives. The first thing is, why is it able to do this? How is it able to do this? What are the opportunities around this? What are new things that I can do that I was not able to do in the past? What are things that where, if I wanted to be creative, uh, you know it would have re- would have been super expensive for me to do, right? Like imagine being able to shoot videos and photo uh, take photos at like very high quality, right? Back then might have only been possible for people in Hollywood. Now you have that power in your phone, right? in your hands. Mm. So, I also believe as this technology becomes more ubiquitous, we are gonna go towards more of a creator type economy or individualized economy where people could be working for themselves rather than for large entities because this technology is gonna help them set up and uh, do amazing things. So in the past, during the industrial revolution, you need to have big factories, organize large people around uh, doing things. But if technology is gonna give each and every person superpowers, you may not need, you know, a hundred thousand person business to do groundbreaking things. You yourself mm. can be an entity on your own and be a business that does really successful things and creates value in this economy, right? So that is something that I would really still think about learning and embracing and leveraging your skill sets, right? It's, it's as simple as, you know, if Microsoft Word came out and email came out. And you say, "I refuse to use email. I'm going to still send paper mail." In fact, I had a customer, you know, who was asking like a support question instead of using our support chat or our email. Uh, they sent paper mail, and it took like wow. a long time to reach our inbox. And I was surprised, like, why would they use paper mail? Again, this person um, was probably older. Uh, you know, they had started working in the 1960s. So. It was very cute. It was very interesting to see that. We, obviously, we responded back, uh, but it was very interesting to see how you could have gotten that question answered instead of in weeks in seconds if you just use the new technology, right? So
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I even think about the difference in utility and maybe intimacy, if you will. Like, I still find that hey, one way to stand out is in a world full of emails. If you are trying to actually make you know a heartfelt impression on someone, write them a handwritten note. And they're, they're surprised, right? Because you took the time, you took the thought, but that's for intimacy. You know, that's for, that's for a different thing than utility. Like how quickly do I want my answer solved? How quickly do I want my question answered? You know, like uh, that, why would we go snail mail when we could just chat with the, and I think part of it is the adoption of the technology, the overwhelming feeling of, I don't know how to use it. Second is the disbelief that it can be that good. I feel that way. Like, up until maybe a few months ago if i was on a website and i saw a chat open up i'm like dude what are the odds that this chat's going to be able to help me get you know it's almost like when you're on the phone you're like live representative give me a, a live representative you know but now that might not be the case it might it sounds like it might be the case where something like your chat feature would be as helpful as if you were to actually talk to someone on the phone is that right
0: yeah for us at least we have some plans around that as well how can we take the knowledge that a person has or an organization has and train our Fred engine to be able to answer those questions for you. Right. So those are some of the things like we have all this knowledge, right? Like I might've answered a thousand questions related to pricing uh, inside the company in various meetings. And next time someone has a question on pricing, they can go ask Fred what I thought about pricing versus asking me directly. That's going to save a lot of time, energy, context. And Absolutely. even if I'm offline, Fred will be there to answer their questions, right? So I always think of it as, like, this is your second brain, um, and how can we help you and your organization come closer together? So that's what we're, we're at least doing with some of the GPPs.
1: Man, I'm even just thinking about, like, you know, in the podcast as an example. Like, it would be so amazing to be able to just say, hey, can you please pull up all transcripts where someone talked about technology right now? You know, where someone talked about recession or whatever. And like for it to be able to sort, like you're saying, remember, sort, all that kind of stuff is phenomenal. Like that is such a game changer.
0: We've had that since last year, actually. So without even GBD3, the ability to search across transcripts. And uh, so if you have all your podcasts uploaded into the Fireflies workspace and you type in recession, you can, it'll go through every single podcast you've ever done. And look down to these particular timestamp when you talked about recession, and then you go click into it and listen to it. So we have that feature called global search, which is really powerful.
1: Now, can I upload them retroactively? Like if I, got-
0: yeah, you can upload audio files too. Yeah, so that's something we have as well, as well as my meetings. Right. So that was something interesting. We see a lot of creators and podcasters using Fireflies these days, and I'm like, oh wow, that's very interesting. We we should look into that. But with GPT three, instead of just saying show me where recession was brought up, like, I can have it write up like a report on what are the opposing and the supporting views on recession from my last like 10 podcasts. And why do some people believe it's gonna have a negative impact? Why do some people believe that it's going to reset the market? And now, right, you're not just going by keywords, you're going by thought and reasoning and having come up with really interesting things. So I just had a, my my recruiter had an interview with a candidate and he went in and asked, um, what were some skills that this person said that they were not very comfortable with? And it goes and pulls that up, right? So now we're able to do, if I asked it a more biased question saying like, should I hire this person or not? It may make up some make-believe right, answer. Right. Right? So that's not what I want. But if I ask an objective question of question like, you know, what, is, what are the things that this person's not comfortable with doing, right? Or what is this uh, the skill sets that they're not comfortable with? Okay, maybe they don't know SEO. Uh, maybe they don't know a certain type of marketing, like brand marketing. So it can say that, hey, this person said they've only had less than a year of experience doing search engine optimization. Great. Like now I don't have to even go into like my regular like transcript search bar and like look up SEO and any of that stuff, right? So it's just automatic. Um, my sales team uses Fireflies today, and ask Fred where, you know, if the sales manager didn't attend the call and the rep had the call. Um, basically, we'll ask how did they hear about Fireflies and how many seats do they plan to buy, and when do they want to close the deal by. Wow, like that instead of me sitting down and listening to a 30-minute call uh, or reading a transcript, Fireflies is able to pull those answers in instant in less than 10 seconds. <laughs> and I know, like, okay, on all the deals where it's like large deals, I need to go coach my rep. So I don't have to waste my time on other things. Wow. So this is what I mean, like extracting knowledge from conversations. That's what we want to do and help people get context. Like context is king. So Mm. yeah, that's why I'm so excited about all this open AI stuff. If it's used in the right way um, uh, for, to help businesses answer really
1: important questions. Caveat, if it's used in the right way, (laughs) which we'll have both. I mean, if technology shows not like, we will have both. It is just going to happen, correct? Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. And it's always a battle between between the good use and the bad use, and and how clever can we defend against the bad uses versus how clever someone can keep innovating to to do whatever nefarious stuff they want to do. You know, it's kind of how the world has always been.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can use it technically, right, to create a bunch of spam emails and try to go do, um, phishing, right? Like people might. Yeah get more sophisticated in the way they do like phishing with like gpt3 because it's like writing um believable messages whereas at the same time i'm i can see like us using gpt3 to craft better more personalized outbound sales emails potentially right where yeah. we say like hey we noticed this we noticed this we noticed this here's why we think we'd be a great fit for you and it's very personalized rather than like a generic email um mm. that gets blasted into your inbox so that's why I always believe right technological determination like this is something that we, we learned about the way you use technology will define it right it can be shaped into good or bad um, but really the onus is on the end user that person uh, to to make that decision
1: well said well said all right my friend last question just w- one we like to capture with everybody and one day when I upload all this into my fireflies it's gonna it's gonna help me Uh, coalesce all this information, but is there any book in particular that has been most recommended uh, by you to others? Could be personal, could be technology, could be business, whatever it is. Does anything come to mind?
0: Yeah, I've actually had uh, a few books. Uh, I had one that I really like. I'm pulling it up as I speak uh, right now, uh, just so that I get the proper title. My book that I've recommended to a lot of entrepreneurs is called monetizing innovation because just because you mm. have cool technology out there doesn't mean it's necessarily something you can build a business around and how you also price is very important like it determines how a customer adopts it and the value they perceive from it so monetizing innovation talks about the different types of types of technology businesses out there why would you do subscription versus uh pay-per-use pricing. So there's all of these things that you can look into. Hmm. So that's a book that I would recommend to any entrepreneur thinking about, I'm building this great service. How do I like monetize it? Or how do I test that it's actually valuable and someone is willing to pay for it? Because that's the ultimate litmus test is someone willing to pay for what you are building. When you look at all these cool GPT-3 stuff that people are putting up on the internet, 95% of them are probably not going to be monetizable right? Because they don't solve a real business use case or a consumer problem. So I always think about, okay, how do I get someone to pay for this? What problem am I solving for them? What value am I creating for them? And how much is that pain point that I'm solving that it's worth paying X amount of money for? So getting to think from that perspective uh, is really important for any entrepreneur.
1: Heck yeah. Love it. We haven't had that one on the podcast yet. I'm going to check that out myself. Chris, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for sharing your your, uh, perspective with me. I mean, it's been incredibly exciting, especially knowing what you're creating. You've got a customer in me and super excited to see where this innovation takes us. So I really appreciate your time.
0: Thanks, Drew. Uh, I was very amped up to talk about all this stuff that we're working on and in general, what 2023 holds for everyone. So really excited. Heck yeah. Founders, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast and hop into
1: our monthly founder email so we can ensure you stay on the edge of peak performance and massive business results.